Good evening. It's good to see you today. A wonderful time that uh, we have. An awesome weather. <laughs> but thank you for being here as we endeavor to search through the scriptures and see what God has for us as we continue to study his word. He always have or his word is always ready for us to receive it. Uh, hopefully all of us will receive it as it comes to us tonight as we refresh from where we left probably seven months ago. <laughs> For those who have been here that long, we began first Samuel, and you guys remember where we left, you know. It's been just a few short days. Got good memory. We left in um, chapter 17, very famous chapter. But I just want us to do a recap in um, chapter 13, a few verses here, and see what God has for us. I'll just probably read it so that we get the context of what we have tonight, chapter 13. Saul reigned over one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Mishmah and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistine that was in Geba. And the Philistine heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistine. And that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistine. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistine gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people of and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Mishmash to the east of Beth Avin. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were disgraced, distressed, then the people hid in caves in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. 
That is what a scared man can do. <laughs> can hide anywhere. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of God and Gilead. As, and as for Saul, he was still in Gilead, in Gilgal, sorry. And all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people was scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and place the offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people was scattered from me and that you did not come within the, the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistine will now come down on me at Gilgal. And I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And someone said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistine encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistine in three companies. One company turned onto the road of Opera to the land of Shewal. Another company turned to the road of Beth Horon, and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim towards the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistine to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, and 
the forks and the axles and to set the point of the gold. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. And the garrison of the Philistine went out to pass, to the pass of Michmash. Well, tied to many stories that we see here about, you know, what we would call the disobedience of this man, uh, Saul. He hasn't been king for a long time. You remember when we talked about it, um, that the people were so hasty not to wait for the appointed time of God to receive a leader. They just, because they wandered a lot in the wilderness and they saw other nations, how they operated and so they thought it would be a good idea to have a king. And God warned them and said, hey, if you choose to go this direction, you guys will pay heavy taxes. Your daughters will be the cooks in the palace. Your sons will be the gods and the people who attend to the king. And you will be taxed heavily so that this palace is sustained. However much it was hard, they still say, we want it anyways. We want a king to rule over us. We don't want God's leadership. We want a man to rule over us. Because if God rules, whoever he appoints, it is God's choice. But because they went ahead of time, they brought their choice. And their choice was a man who was mighty. He was a bigger man. He was a man of battle. He was pleasant to look upon. And so they thought this would be a good idea. And we saw earlier on that Saul actually was very diligent. At some point, he even prophesied. And people are wondering, is this the same Saul we know who is prophesying? He was humble at the beginning. But what we see here is a man who is not patient. He's hasty. Because when God says things, when God gives us instruction, what do we need to do? Is simply to adhere to them and to follow them, right? Is that an easy thing to do? It's probably not easy for us to do. Not easy for us to follow. Not easy for us to imagine that we want to go this direction 
And God is saying, no, go this direction. And do you know whose benefit it is when God says you go this direction? <laughs> whose benefit? It's my benefit. It is your benefit. It is for your own good that God is telling you to go this direction. But oftentimes we think ours is the best. So when he had reigned over Israel for two years, things happen, there's a battle that is arrayed. And what happens is before they went to battle, they had to invoke the name of God. They had to seek for guidance. They had to ask the Lord if really God is in it or they just want to go and fight. Because if God is not in it, they're going to be killed mercilessly. If God is in it, even with the few men that would be at the battle, God still give them victory for his name's sake. Saul decided that Samuel was late for the event. He was late for the event, and when he's late, what do you do? Take up the place of God and do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that you read many other portions of the Bible, and especially with someone, at times he'll just show up late. <laughs> show up late. And even many times when we have prayed about things, we have asked God about things, and we think God is not showing up, so we resort to the other plan, right? We call the other guy. We, we always have a plan B. If God doesn't show up, who am I going to call? Who is going to do it for me? And listen to the um, excuse that he gave. He said, first of all, in verses 9, so Saul said, bring a burnt offering and place the offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. This was not his place. This, he wasn't ordained to do that. That was not his job. As soon as he finished, then Samuel came. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that as soon as he's just done with offering the sacrifice, the burnt offering, then who shows up? the one who was supposed to be there, Ali. Because many times we think our timings are correct. Our timings are right. Because if God had said seven days, I mean, it is not the end of seven days yet. But because there is a lot of pressure that is coming from the battlefield, you just want to do it anyways. 
he saw someone come. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. <laughs> think about it. Do you think Saul really wanted to greet Samuel? Do you think he really wanted to greet him? Or he began to feel some condemnation or guilt of what he did and he shouldn't have waited? Like, well, for me to go and appease this man, let me just go and extend kindness. Just go and greet him and see what he got. Someone said, what have you done? It was very suspicious. <laughs> what have you done? For the parents who have children, you know, you go home after work, you get to the door, and you get some funny behavior. And you're like, you okay? <laughs> Eating sugar? No, Papa. With a lot of sugar in your mouth. And they try to hide things. You know how kids hide things? You show up and they take it like, it's like, you ain't going to see it the rest of your life. <laughs> it is hidden from you forever. But that is one of the kids. <laughs> what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, when I saw that the people were scattered from me. Remember, it is not the people who told him to offer the sacrifice. He was the one who said, bring it to me. I want to offer sacrifice to the Lord. Now he's changing it a little bit. So that every one of you who are here, you are involved in this sin. I can't be alone. I cannot die alone. We're going down together. When I saw that the people was scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed, that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. <laughs> I felt, I feel like, I feel like. <laughs> you hear people saying, I feel like every time you know something is going down. Quick. I feel like. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like it's not the right time. I feel like he's not the right guy. <laughs> I feel like I'm not supposed to do this business. I feel like the Lord hasn't called me to do this. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like. 
and he felt like he was supposed to offer the offering. Well, the thing is, he's not going to die right now. <laughs> the Lord is not going to strike him to death. But there are consequences of these feelings. <laughs> so be before you air out your feelings, think first. Think. Is it within reason that you want to do that? And did the Lord really convicted you to do it? Or you thought the Lord is absent and I want to stand in his place to do it anyways. Or whoever is appointed is not here, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to help God. I'm going to help the man of God. This lazy man can't wake up. He has seven days, right? He's not here. I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And someone said to Saul, you have done foolishly. Your feelings have led you to a very foolish You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God. That is one thing I want us to pay attention to also tonight. To remember the commandments of God and to keep them. To remember them and to keep them. If the Lord has spoken to you, Whatever it is, please remember to do what? To keep it. You don't keep it when it is only convenient. You keep it at all times. Do you remember when we studied the book of Joshua, what he said? Do not let this book of the law depart from you. Meditate upon it day and night. That is your job. To think about my words. To think about the commandments. To think about me. What I've told you day and night. Do you guys know what happens when you think about something for a long time? You know what happens, right? It becomes part of you. It is so integrated in your life that even as you speak, it just comes out. And I remember when we were getting ready to go do evangelism last week on Friday, Josh was saying that at all times, always remember to have Jesus on your lips. Have him on your lips at all times. And people will think, well, that is probably a boring thing to do. <laughs> how how do we have nothing else to talk about? We just want to talk about Jesus. <laughs> have Jesus 
as close as he can be in your life daily. To keep his commands, to keep his instructions. You see what happens? You have done foolishly. And foolishness here is not keeping the commandment of the Lord, which he commanded. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel. Now these words are now coming to Saul and they are beginning to be very painful. Say, because you did not heed the word of God, this kingdom that people cried and the Lord was merciful and just gave them the king anyways and you are the king. It was supposed to be established forever. But because you have done foolishly, these are the repercussions. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Wow. It's amazing that the Lord, how he takes serious what he speaks to us. How he takes serious the words that he gives to us. And he's not going to enjoy the fact that he's told there's someone else already. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you're the king right now, but he's saying it will not continue. Because of your foolish act, the kingdom has been discontinued and the Lord has sought for himself another. Now the question that would be in his mind is who is the other man? Because in Israel right now, I'm the man. <laughs> I'm the man. Is it my son? Is it someone who is one of my warriors? Is it someone we are friends with? Who is this person that God is saying He's already appointed to be commander over his people, Israel. The Lord has already made him. It's like, hey, you're a puppet right now. The Lord has already made someone else. Your position has already been taken. This will not be taken lightly, friends. You know it. You are working in a position, you're, you're in charge of things in a place, and the next day you're told, hey, you're not in charge here anymore. <laughs> Do you know how we like titles and big names? Everyone wants to be a doctor. And you have to properly address me with all of them. Start with doctor, please. Doctor, archbishop. 
and then Reverend Peter Odoyo. Hallelujah. <laughs> you feel nice. You feel good about yourself because that is how people address you. That is how you think greatness is achieved with mere names. Yet whoever has been chosen to be a king is some boy in the wilderness. Think about it. Whoever the Lord is appointing to be a shepherd over his people is a shepherd somewhere else over animals. That is to tell you that God does not just call lazy people. He calls people who are already at work and he gives them more responsibilities. You just think you'll be seated there and the Lord, the Holy Spirit will come upon me and these things will happen. I will be rich. I'll be great. These things will happen. Just because you thought about it, Every one of us has, we have fantasies, right? Especially with a lot of money. <laughs> with a lot of money. If I have a lot of money today, you know what I'm going to buy? <laughs> oh, man. You guys have your own things you want to buy with money. Maybe a full house with human hair. You can change them every day. <laughs> it might be someone else's fantasy, you know. Build a warehouse like this and have a Bugatti, have a Range Rover, have these. And then you'll be traveling, you'll be having lunch in Paris, and then you sleep in Hawaii. And then you're back to uh, the Netherlands. And then you just pass by Nairobi to see the, the big five. You know, your life is on the move. Why? Because it's not actually you speaking. It is the money. <laughs> Fantasies about what you'd do if you'd have money. But now, the fantasy of this man, everything is shrinking down. Why? Because he thought he would be a king for a long time. And this is not another man speaking. This is God saying, your kingdom has been stripped off you. What you gonna do? You're going to appeal? Say, well, you're going to be a king for several years, but know this for sure, it will discontinue. It is not going to be forever. And the man that God would have appointed, or would read later that that is David, we know from many other parts of the scripture that that is the lineage where our Lord Jesus Christ comes from 
when he comes like a man, meaning it will not end. It's an ending kingdom. For him it ended so quickly because of disobedience. And I want to exalt us tonight, church. I know how the Lord speaks to us in various ways. The way he speaks to you, it is not the way he speaks to me. There are many things he said to you. But we got to be ready to take up the challenge of what it takes to be a man of God, a woman of God. You remember at the end of this? It brings out another aspect or something else that is not related to the story to just remind you that the children of Israel, it was God who was always protecting them because there were no blacksmiths in Israel. They couldn't make their own equipment. Everything they would want to make that is metallic, they would run down to the Philistine to make it for them. But think about it. The Philistines know that they're in war with the Israelites. What are they going to do? They're going to shut the doors. If you guys want to make some war equipment, we are not going to allow you to do that. I've always wondered about this man, Samuel, what he does. Was it his lateness? Was it purposeful? He said, well, let me get late and see what this man will do. Seems like he's losing patience. And this, it sets these things in motion to some bad choices that this guy makes when he's trying to do the will of God in his own mind. He's justifying things. Just because Samuel is late, then I can take up his responsibility and be the priest of the land and do what he was supposed to do. And you not blame also the children of Israel. It say like the sand of the seashore, the Philistines assembled against Israel. The men who are just walking, you can't count them. Saul's men, you can count like 600. That's all you got. He has chariots, horsemen, and all these things are in place, ready to fight. How on this planet are you going to win against such a man, such a people? A call to war rang out. When men showed up and looked, they stood in terror. They were terrified. One by one, hundreds by hundreds, they ran to hide. And Samuel was late. 
Samuel was not even there to encourage them and say, hey, do not fear them. The Lord is not a respecter of persons. The Lord will deliver us either by one man or a thousand. It doesn't matter to the Lord. There's no such a man to encourage them. He was late. He was supposed to be there to offer sacrifice before they went to war, before the first attack takes place. Because that's when they always know when they're going to win the battle. Because when you attack your enemies and they see how their people are dying, they begin to retrieve. But this time round, that is not happening. Then these minutes, they turned into hours. And Saul took things into his own hands as he watched more of his men dissipate. He stepped in and acted as a priest offering the sacrifice. You remember that as soon as he was done offering the sacrifice, then the man shows up. What a coincidence. And although justified, reasoning was given by Saul, someone's words were cutting to the edge. He said, you have acted foolishly. Your kingdom will end. God already has someone in the wings to take your place. Think about that. It gets worse. Someone leaves and Saul counts his troops. Only 600 men are with him. The rest, the footmen, are like the sand. They cannot be numbered. But here we only have 600 men. This room is even big for the 600 people. <laughs> that is all you got. And the other advantage the Philistines has over them is that they have the monopoly on the manufacturing of the iron. <laughs> They're the one who makes this thing. So what are you going to do still? Chop sticks <laughs> to go in battle with them? And just like Samuel's tardiness, it sometimes feels like God shows up at the very last minute, right? Very last minute. The, we call it the 11th hour. Or the footballers will call it Dakika 90, right? <laughs> 90 minutes. And then you get a score. Sometimes it doesn't even seem like God is right there. 
feels like you've been abandoned and nothing is happening. I want us to be reminded, friends, that there is a war going on within ourselves, with the evil forces, with the government. There is war everywhere. Even when we hear no sound, there is mighty battles within our hearts. The question is, what are you battling with? What is your battle? And in every battle, we must have weapons on our side to fight. You don't just go on a battlefield without any weapon. You'll be killed. Therefore, the things that we ought to bring into action for us who believe in Jesus Christ, it's prayers. Men ought always to pray and not disease. Pray at all times. Pray that the Lord will lead you right. Pray that you will not be led into temptations because none of us has the capacity or the strength to fight the enemy. He's way stronger than us. If the Lord is not for us, we are consumed. We are consumed. And there are things, these ones, they have to be in action. For a believer, number one is prayers. And number two, as I already mentioned, have Jesus at your lips. Speak Jesus. Gives you strength for your soul, for your spirit. And that in turn means we got to reach out to people. When you meet people, what do you say to them? Are you a workman who is ready to divide the word of truth? Because as Paul said to Timothy, this word, this is God's breath. It is profitable for what? For teaching, for correction, for instruction, so that the man of God, so that the man of God will be fully equipped. Let us be equipped so that when we are out there, we are able to teach. We are able to speak. And also, the other part that the enemy tries to really get us on is when it comes to giving, right? People begin to have debates on how much they're supposed to give to, to the Lord. How much time am I supposed to give to the Lord on a daily basis? How much money... You know, is it gross? Is it net? Is it just how much? Is it the New Testament doesn't talk about tithe? 
So am I supposed to give tithe? And people will convince you in the streets. Say, hey, I normally give my tithe to the street kids. Because when you give to the poor, you lend. You're lending to God. <laughs> Shame on you. Them, not you. <laughs> you know the reason why it is not said to give a tenth in the New Testament? Because God is giving you freedom to do it right. God gives you 100% and you're debating whether you want to give him 10%. Imagine the absurdity of that. I have a thousand bob. It is painful to give a hundred. Imagine a hundred bob. <laughs> Some people's hands, they, they, you know, they turn to be like the kettle. <laughs> I don't want to give. Take it back. Do you want to serve God with your finances? There's a lot of blessings when you do that. A subject that has been used wrongly, but at the end of the day, we have a commitment in our local churches to serve God with what he's given to us. And many other things that you can think of. So, there's a battle to give, to pray, to speak. And the things that are so deeply rooted within us that we haven't even spoken to no one. We know them. But we know that the effectiveness of these aspects will give us victory in Christ. You pray. Jesus is always as your lips. You're making witness of Christ everywhere. You're giving your time and resources to God. It changes how we view things and how we serve the Lord. And remember in this battle, remember in slaying, rough and hard equipment must be used because killing must be done. They got to use spears and swords and they're harsh equipment. But nonetheless, the killing has to be done. Do you think when you're putting your, 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 your flesh into subjection that it is an easy thing to do? That your flesh wants it? You have to strive and struggle with it. You know what Paul says? That I beat my body into subjection. I beat it. I punch it. <laughs> Say, hey, you're going to obey the Lord. You're not going to do whatever you want to do. The killing must be done. Those things that are deeply rooted in us, that we know they are not of the Lord, we must kill them. We must kill them. 
And the art of killing has no elegance. That I'm going to kill it nicely, right? <laughs> I'm struggling with fornication, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill it poly poly. You know, I'll just be doing this as I withdraw. <laughs> do this as I withdraw. Poly poly as I withdraw. Strong men and women you are. The act of killing has no elegance as long as it is done effectively. Some of us, it will mean to run. Literally, run. Literally, cut off some people. Oh, I don't want to lose my friends. I, I have a hard time making friends, so I just want to keep them. For who? You're going to destroy your life. In fact, they don't care. In fact, they, they want to see it destroyed. Do you know why? The reason why a drunkard will not give you his money. Because he wants every one of you to be drunk. He'll buy for you. No problem. Right? <laughs> He'll buy. But he won't give you the money. That is what we did. I want us to sink together, go down together. Friends, always make sure your tools are sharpened and ready for use. And remember that the enemy never rests in his quest to destroy God's people. If he never rests, why do you want to rest? It is a battle. We are in the battlefield. We might be like the children of Israel. We don't have a place to go sharpen our tools. We are few in numbers. Yes, we have gone against the commandments of the Lord. But think about it. Isn't the Lord faithful and merciful and forgiving? That he's given us not just one chance. He's given us multiple opportunities to make it right. That this was my life before. I'm choosing to be faithful to God. Great is God's faithfulness. No one is able to outdo God in his faithfulness. That is who he is. What do you want to do? You want to depend on your ability to craft the weapon so that you can fight the enemy? Or do you want to depend on God? The good news is when you depend on him, he fights the battle and he gives you the victory. And when you think you're able to fight it yourself, you're going to be killed and lose the joy of salvation, lose eternity, lose a lot of things. Sometimes, especially the young people, they think, you know, when I do this, 
at this age, you know, when I grow up, it won't be a problem. You know, I did it like 10 years ago and 19 years ago. You just don't know what you're talking about. It will eat you up big. Big. So, when you have an opportunity to serve God with your life, do it right. Pray. Pray and pray. Be equipped with God's word. Always have these words at your fingertips and your lips when you're speaking to people. Can they draw wisdom from your conversation? Is it just gathering and talking about other things? I mean, there's a time you can talk about cosmetics for sure, right? <laughs> talk about things that are happening in the world. But do we kick Jesus out of our conversation the whole day because we just want to enjoy the moments? There's a battle going on, friends. Are you equipped for it? I pray that the Lord will guide you. Those many things in your life that needs to be killed. Don't resurrect them. If you kill them, let them go. The things of the old are dried up. If you sprinkle water on them, they're going to stink again. <laughs> so don't do that. Receive wisdom from God's word. Receive encouragement from God's word. Because he loves you so much. That is why he will tell us that his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Imagine that. Like God has an appointment with us every day and every morning. You wake up like, God, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for this day. Thank you that I have speech. Do you wake up and think about that? That you wake up and you can yawn, literally, and you can stretch you can walk and you didn't pay for it. If you value life and what God has done for you, everything you do and you think about, you're like, God, I thank you for everything. I don't own anything. I don't even own myself. <laughs> May the Lord help us to be focused on him. But remember, there's a battle. Are you in the battlefield? You know, Paul says that, you know, those who have chosen to go out there for the battle, you don't entangle yourself with civilian things. Get yourself ready. And when you are on the move, the Lord will guide your paths. Amen? Let us pray. God, we thank you 
for tonight. We thank you for your word that is alive. We thank you that you always speak to us in your wonderful, special way. I pray that as we continue to meditate upon this word and learn from the man of old, that we'll not be caught up in the disobedience that we are seeing from this man. We pray that you'll help our focus. We pray that you'll help our gaze, that it will be upon you and you alone, that we'll be witnesses of what you have done for us, that you'll be on our lips every day as we go out and we'll witness of your great love, your faithfulness, your kindness, your grace over our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And as we disperse, Lord, we pray for your blessing of our fellowship. The Lord, you'd guide us and you'll be with us today and tomorrow if you tarry. And as we see one another again, we'll praise you for the things that you have done for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.